Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for watching over us and thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for the opportunity to sing and to worship and to consider your greatness. Thank you also for the opportunity now to look at your word. I pray that you would go way beyond what I can say to glorify Jesus, speak in clarity and truth and anointing and power, and may our hearts be good soil to receive your word. I pray that we will leave this place changed for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to take your Bible, turn to Psalm 46. Well, this is our last day for our boat and for Molly the mermaid. Give Molly a hand, all right? All right. She's praising Jesus this morning. I get to get out of here. Some of you are praising Jesus because you don't have to see her anymore, okay? Here's a question. You know anybody who to you appears to live a charmed life? Everything they do just seems to come together. Know anybody like that? Everything they do just seems to to work out just right. They're the star quarterback on the winning football team. They're the captain of the cheerleaders. They make straight A's in school. They're voted most likely to succeed. And when they become adults... They do succeed. They live in million-dollar houses. They drive the Mercedes and the BMWs and the Jaguars. And their kids, they're so amazing as well. All their teeth are straight. They make straight A's in school. You never get a phone call from a teacher about a discipline problem. Everything they do just seems to work out well. When they graduate from high school, they get a full-ride scholarship to the most prestigious school. Not because the family needs it. They're rich. You know anybody like that? They just don't seem to have problems. Truth be told, everyone has problems. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got problems. Some of you enjoying that too much. Everyone has problems. Even people who seem to live charmed lives. Even rock stars and billionaires and star athletes and Hollywood elites. Some of their problems may be different from your problems, but they have them, and so do you. Yes, we all have problems. Even so-called ordinary people have problems. Sometimes it's in the little things. The roof starts leaking. The washing machine is broken. The car's in the shop. And to compound the problem, you don't have the money to get the leak fixed or the air conditioning replaced. Sometimes it's in the bigger things. Your car is hit head-on by a reckless, drunken driver. 
And the hospital says, you may never walk again. Or maybe you get that dreaded phone call in the middle of the night. It's three in the morning and someone on the other end of the line says, you need to come down here now. There's a big problem. There's been a horrible accident and your son or your daughter, they may die. Tragedy and trouble are nothing new. It's happened to all kinds of people throughout history. It happened to lots of people in the Bible. Last week we talked about a woman by the name of Jochebed, a mother of a brand new baby boy by the name of Moses. Say Moses with me. Moses. And Moses is a fine child, the Bible says, probably a good looking kid, tons of potential. However, there's been an edict put out by Pharaoh that says every single baby boy among the Israelites must be killed. And Jochebed's got to do something to protect her child. And so she puts together this papyrus basket. She coats it with tar and pitch so it will float. And she sticks her three-month-old baby boy in the shallow water along the banks of the Nile, hoping that he won't be seen. Can you imagine what that would have been like for a mom? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are told, if you don't bow down to this idol, you're going to be thrown into a furnace of fire. Daniel was told, if you don't stop praying to your God, you're going to be thrown into a den of lions. And he was, and they were. Pretty much all the great men and women of the Bible faced very difficult times. They all had struggles. They all faced challenges. Most of them probably had days when it would have been easier to stop following God, at least for a moment, and to give in. You ever been there? Has that ever happened to you? Listen, following Jesus will not eliminate all of your problems. Oh, I wish it would. How about you? Sign me up for problem-free living. But the truth is, some of the godliest people in the world still get stage 4 cancer. And they have massive heart attacks. And they die in car accidents. It happens. David Brainerd. Anybody here have heard of David Brainerd? David Brainerd was one of the most godly young men who ever lived in America. He was a missionary to the American Indians back in the 1700s, yet he contracted tuberculosis and he died at the age of 29 in the home of the famous pastor slash preacher, Jonathan Edwards. Followers of Jesus Christ still have problems. I know I've had a few, and so have most of you. Psalm 46 was written by someone who had a problem. Scholars are not unanimous, but the historical background for this psalm probably speaks to a time when a godly king by the name of Hezekiah was facing a huge problem. The capital city of Jerusalem was under siege. There was an enemy army standing outside with 185,000 soldiers led by a king by the name of Sennacherib. And Sennacherib told Hezekiah, if you don't surrender, you and your people are going to be 
in big trouble. They're probably going to be captured and or killed. And Sennacherib's not just giving an idle threat. He's got 185,000 soldiers out there with him. And Hezekiah and his army are no match for them. The Assyrians had already taken down northern Israel. They've already conquered most of the fortified cities in Judah. And now they're going after the ultimate prize, the city, the capital city of Jerusalem. And Sennacherib says to Hezekiah, the king, he said, do not think that your God can deliver you. And even if he could, he won't. So you might as well give in now. But Hezekiah, to his credit, he cries out to God, and God delivers him in one night. And Hezekiah, nor his army, even have to lift a finger. The Bible says that God sent the angel of the Lord. Some think it was Jesus Christ himself. And he destroyed the entire army, 185,000 soldiers in one night. Because that's what our God can do. Amen? This is likely the background story behind this psalm. This psalm, this 46th psalm, is also known as Luther's psalm. Martin Luther penned the words to the famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, with this psalm in mind. And Martin Luther did not have an easy life. He grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, and he became a very devout Roman Catholic. In fact, he would one day, as a young man, become a monk in the Catholic Church. But while serving as a monk, he noticed some corruption in the church with the selling of indulgences and an emphasis on good works but not on faith. And he noticed that tradition had become more important than Scripture. And so Martin Luther decides, i got to do something. And so he comes up with these 95 theses, these 95 revolutionary Some say he stuck it on the door of the local church. Others say he nailed them to the door of the Wittenberg Castle. But wherever he put them, they were not well received. Instead of openness to his call for change, he began facing opposition. Like most of us have never known. Question, what do you do when the storm comes to you? Where do you go with the problems of life when they're more than you can handle? We find an answer here in Psalm 46, starting in verse 1, which says, God is our refuge and strength. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Question, how many of you have ever been in trouble? You're married, you've been in trouble, okay? Here's some good news. You serve a God who's never lost a battle. He's never been defeated in a war. The prophet Jeremiah said it like this, Ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too difficult for thee. Not only is our God able to help, the psalmist says our God is an ever-present help. Our God is always there. I don't know about you, but it's not difficult for me to trust God, have confidence in Him when circumstances are easy. When everything's going my way, I can trust God. 
but I got plenty of money in the bank, and everybody thinks I'm amazing, and nobody's complaining. It's not hard to trust in God, is it? But how about when circumstances are not easy? Listen, God's purpose for you is not to make life easier. God's purpose is to make you stronger. Let's say you signed up to join the gym. You're going to start working out. Why do you go? Is it because, well, I heard they had some really shiny new looking equipment and it's really comfortable when I sit on it. Is that why you go to the gym? It's not going to do you much good just sitting on it, is it? Well, I heard they've got some really good showers there and a pretty clean bathroom and they serve some nice iced coffee. And if I go enough times, I get a free t-shirt. Is that why you go to the gym? Not if you want to get the benefit that you desire from it. Well, you go to the gym and you start out benching 250 pounds and your goal is six years later, I'm going to get it down to 50. You go to the gym and you start out running 15 miles on the treadmill. He say, I want to get it down to where I just walk for about 50 yards. That's not the goal for the gym. The goal for the gym is that you might become stronger. Let's say you're a high school student and you want to be an engineer. Not driving a train engineer, but one of those other kind of engineers, okay? With all the mathematics and stuff. So what do you do in high school? Take all the easiest classes possible because I know it's going to be really hard when I get to college. Not if you want to do well. Suppose your daughter is a 10-year-old and she is a ballet dancer. You have never seen a young lady who has the ability, who has the talent, has the drive and the desire that she has to be the best in the world. And you're all in. Where are you going to take her for ballet lessons? You're going to take her to the ballet studio where the teacher seldom shows up. And when she does show up, they eat popcorn and they watch movies. Not if you want her to be your best. Suppose you want to be a difference maker in God's kingdom. And you start running into problems. Some people don't like how you're living. And you got some critics. They're constantly frustrated. They're constantly upset. And they constantly got something negative to say about you. What do you do? Do you just quit? Do you just give in? Just say, I'm not doing this anymore because somebody said something about me. I ain't going back to church anymore. I ain't following Jesus anymore because people are mean. Hello. Do you think God's desire for you is simply to have an easy life without any problems, any issues, any struggles, any pain? God's goal for you is not marshmallow Christianity. God's goal for you is to develop inside of you the character of Jesus Christ. And God is calling you to be a person of maximum impact in this world. 
Jesus said, let your light so shine that others may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. But you know what happens to us a lot of times? We got that light shining. We're following Jesus. We're out there encouraging people and sharing his love. And somebody comes along and they say something to you. And it's discouraging. And you just want to quit. You ever feel like quitting? You ever feel like giving up? You ever feel like, I just don't want to do this anymore because somebody didn't like it when I did do it. Let me encourage you. Follow Jesus Christ. His goal is not to make life easier. His goal is to make you better. His goal is to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. His goal is to use you to touch this world with his love. You got something like, 80 years on this earth to make a difference. Some of you may have a little bit more than that. Some of you may have considerably less. What are you going to do with the time that God has given you? Will you use it for his glory? Will you be his instrument in this world? Will you let your light shine that others may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven? Or will you simply drift through life? My challenge for you today is to be a person of maximum impact. Let the light of Jesus Christ shine through you wherever you go for the honor and glory of his name. That's our mission. Everywhere we go, we're shining the light of Jesus Christ. Everywhere we go, we touch people with his love. When people walk into our campus here at Northside, I hope, I pray, they're surrounded with people who are exuding the love of Jesus Christ. And when we leave this building today, I pray that as you leave this place and you go out to the restaurant or you go out to the ball field or you go out to wherever you go when you leave this building today, that you're out there as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest, most impactful followers of Jesus Christ who ever lived, once said this, we are ambassadors for Christ as though he were making his appeal through us to this world. You represent Jesus Christ in this world. He wants to empower you to share his love with the world around you. What are you going to do about that? Psalm 46 does not say that life will be easy. Psalm 46 tells us that sometimes you may feel like the earth is giving away and that your life is crashing into the sea. Psalm 23 tells us that sometimes you may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How do you handle that? Verse 1 talks about who God is and what he does. Verse 2 talks about what we are supposed to do. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, sometimes life may appear to be falling apart around you. Circumstances are not good. How do you handle that? Psalm 46 says, we will not fear, no matter what circumstances come in our lives. Someone said there are 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day of the week. I've never counted, but I do know this, there are a whole lot of them. The Bible says, the Lord is with me. I will not fear. The Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I will not fear. God said, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God.
The 23rd Psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death, I will not fear. Why? Because thou, thou, thou my God, you're with me. The psalmist continues in verse 3. Though its waters roar and foam, waters in prophetic language can signify people. Ever had those people around you? Maybe it's someone at your work or at school or a neighbor or a member of the family, and they're roaring and they're foaming. They are not happy, and they just won't leave you alone. They just keep coming after you and coming after you and coming after you. They will not let up. Maybe they're a bully. Maybe they're a constant critic, and they just won't stop. Verse 3 continues. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Sounds like pretty serious stuff to me. Waters are roaring and foaming. Mountains are quaking. Sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes people put pressure on you. You ever felt pressure? Pressure is part of life. The question is not will there be pressure. The question is where will you go when you find yourself in the middle of it? Who will you look to? When you find yourself under pressure. At the end of verse 3, the psalmist says, Selah. Take a deep breath and say, Selah. Some pronounce it Selah. Some say Selah. But either way, what does Selah mean? The word Selah is found 71 times in the Psalms. And three times in the book of Habakkuk. And it's a difficult concept to translate. It's likely either a pause or a musical interlude. It's an opportunity to stop and reflect. It's like, hey, take a minute and think about this. God is your refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. When is the last time you really thought about that? When is the last time you got alone with God and said, okay, God, I'm trusting in you. I believe you're my refuge. I believe you're my strength. And God, yes, I am in some trouble. But my hope, my confidence, my trust is in you. There's some waters roaring around me. There's some foam coming up beside me. There's some mountains that are quaking with their surging. But my hope is in you. My hope is in God. My hope is not in the circumstances. My hope is in the God of the circumstances. He says, greater is he who's in me. Than he was in the world. When's the last time you took time to think about the greatness of your God? Here in Psalm 46.10, the psalmist says to be still. Cease striving. Literally, take your hands off. Relax. And know that I'm God. See, we like to be hands-on people. We like to manage our own lives. And part of that's really good. We want to do our best, don't we? We don't want to simply just goof off and be sloppy in our living, in our work, our family. Look up to heaven and repeat after me. Lord, say with me, Lord, I want to do my best. Say it again, Lord, I want to do my best, okay? But don't stop there. Say this also. Lord, I also want to trust in you. See, too often, we carry unnecessary burdens. Too many times, we're like the little boy on the bus. 
he's carrying this huge suitcase with him. The suitcase weighs like 50 pounds. And this little boy weighs maybe 60. And he's carrying this suitcase up into the bus. He finally gets inside the bus and there are no seats to be found. He's holding on to the pole on the bus with one hand. And he's holding up the suitcase with the other hand. And he's just straining with all of his might. Finally, the bus driver turns around and looks at the boy and says, Son, why don't you let the bus carry it for a while? God is looking at some of you today and saying, Son, daughter, my child, why don't you let me carry it for a while? Why don't you cast your care upon me because I care for you? Why don't you come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden? I want to give you my rest. Why don't you let me carry it for a little while? Sometimes you may feel like Molly the mermaid over here. She's a struggling. Part of her is praising Jesus. You see, got my hand up, praising Jesus. Part of her is calling people on her cell phone, inviting them to come to worship. She got her north side t-shirt on. She is trying to follow her Lord. And then a part of her is sitting on a trunk load of problems she won't let go of. And a part of her, look at her. Part of her, she's not even real. Too often we're like Molly. Part of us wants to follow Jesus. A part of us wants to praise his name. A part of us wants to do his will in this world. And there's a part of us that's trying to handle a situation in our own power, in our own strength. And not only that, she is green with envy because she doesn't like what somebody else got and she didn't get. Let me encourage you. Let the bus, let Jesus Christ carry your burdens for a while. Trust in God. Trust in your refuge. Trust in your strength. Let him be your ever-present help in time of trouble. Anybody can trust God when the circumstances are over, but how about when you're smack dad sitting in the middle of them? Listen, our God is the Lord of the universe. Do you believe that? Not only is he the Lord of the universe, he is our Lord Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah can be interpreted as a form of underlining and preparation for the next paragraph. In verse 4, the scene shifts into the city of Jerusalem, where the people are confined because of the Assyrian army encamped around them. Water was a precious commodity in Palestine, especially in Jerusalem, one of the few ancient cities not built on a river. Wisely... Hezekiah had built an underground water system that connected the spring of Gihon and Kedron with the pool of Siloam within the city. So water was available. But the psalmist knew that God was still their ultimate provider, giving them the water of life. Listen, it's good to make wise decisions. It's good to work hard and do your best. But here's the question. Who do you look to? As your ultimate provider. You look into your husband. 
Are you looking to your wife? Are you looking to your parents? Are you looking to the government? Are you looking to the church? Or will you look ultimately to Jesus Christ? Why would you not want to go to God? Think about it. He's never lost a battle. He's never been defeated in a war. He's never said, oops, my bad. He knows everything. He can do anything. And he loves you more than you have the capacity to love. Why would you not want to trust in him? Verse 4. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Jerusalem was indeed the holy city. It was set apart by God. God's temple was there. The Ark of the Covenant was there, but those things were no guarantee of victory. Hezekiah the king was not delivered just because his palace was in Jerusalem. He was delivered because he put his trust in God. The same is true for us. Just because you belong to a church, just because you say that you follow Jesus Christ, just because you show up to church on Sunday, Those are all good things, and I highly recommend them. But ultimately, you're not trusting in the church. You're not trusting in your own good deeds. You're not trusting in your church attendance. You're not trusting in anything that you can do. You're ultimately trusting in everything that Jesus can do. He said that He is our Lord. He's promised to be our Savior and our guide and our God. And the Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you believe that? Verse 5, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Ancient armies would often attack at dawn. So at the dawn, at your greatest hour of need, God says, I will be there with you. Verse 6. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms totter and fall. Do not think for one moment that our God can be intimidated. He cannot. He raised his voice, the scripture says, and the earth melted. Repeat after me. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is all-powerful. Say it again. Our God is... Do you believe that? Verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. As long as we are obeying the Lord Jesus Christ, we need not be intimidated. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Romans 8.37 says, you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. 1 John 4.4 says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He is your refuge. He is your fortress. He is your strength. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Verse 8, come and see what the Lord has done. God gave King Hezekiah an amazing victory. Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem did not even need to lift a finger. There had been no battle. But the angel of the Lord left his evidence behind to encourage the faith of God's people. And the psalmist says, come and see what the Lord has done. God gave an incredible victory to his people. And God is still in the process of giving victory to his people. But if we're going to receive that victory, we must walk. We must live by faith. 
And here's the good news. Jesus won the ultimate battle 2,000 years ago. When he came to this earth as a baby, he grew up and lived a perfect, sinless life. Then he died on the cross for our sins, for your sins and mine. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And one day, he is coming back again. Do you believe that? One of these days, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you believe that? One of these days, there will be no more problems, no more issues, no more struggles, no more pain. Won't that be amazing? But right now, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, I challenge you, follow Jesus Christ With all of your heart, not half-heartedly, but with all of your heart, through the middle of whatever you're going through, He loves you. He wants to guide you and empower you for living, moment by moment and day by day, for His glory.